It's Tuesday, June the 16th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Europeans flock to shops and gay and trans Americans win new protections. First, the world in brief. Coronavirus lockdown restrictions across Europe were eased. Long queues formed outside some non-essential retail shops in England opened for the first time since March 23rd. Early data showed footfall in the country's high street shops up by 50.5% compared with last Monday, but still lower than last year. Restrictions were relaxed in France as cafes and restaurants reopened fully, allowing customers to sit indoors, and several European Union countries reopened their borders to other EU citizens. America's Supreme Court ruled that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects gay and transgender employees from discrimination. Justice Neil Gorsuch, one of President Donald Trump's conservative appointees, wrote the majority decision. The case hinged on whether the act's ban on discrimination because of sex covered sexual orientation and gender identity. Lawyers for the Trump administration joined some employers in arguing it did not. Donald Trump confirmed a plan to withdraw 9,500 American troops from Germany unless it ups its meagre contribution to NATO's budget. Around 34,500 American soldiers are stationed there. We're protecting Germany and they're delinquent, Mr. Trump complained. Germany's ambassador to America returned that American bases in the country aid transatlantic security. Germany has agreed eventually to raise its contribution to 2% of GDP. A Russian court sentenced an American ex-Marine to 16 years hard labor for spying. He had received a USB flash drive that prosecutors said was filled with classified information. He and his family claim it was a setup. America has denounced the trial's secrecy, lack of English interpretation, and scant opportunity to mount a defense. Iran warned it may have to reimpose strict social distancing rules as the rate of coronavirus infections rises again. The country was hit hard by the virus in March, but a lockdown was eased in mid-April as the disease abated. On Sunday, Iran recorded 107 deaths, the first time the total had exceeded 100 since April 13th. Boris Johnson, Britain's Prime Minister, held his first direct talks about a post-Brexit trade deal with EU leaders by video link. Mr Johnson said he hoped to reach a trade agreement by summer's end. In a joint statement released by Britain and the EU, both sides called for new momentum in the stalled discussions. And BP will write off 13 to $17.5 billion from the value of its assets in its second quarter results and has lowered its forecast for oil prices. The pandemic has hit demand badly. The oil major reckons the price of Brent crude oil will average around $55 per barrel until 2050, compared with an earlier forecast of $70. It is also expecting a lower carbon economy after the pandemic. And now, here's today's agenda. Viral load, Boris Johnson's waning popularity. Only 12 weeks ago, Boris Johnson looked unassailable. After Britain's Prime Minister trounced Labour in last December's general election, pundits chattered about whether the opposition could even win the election after next. So much for pundits. 
A saga over whether Dominic Cummings, Mr Johnson's chief adviser, broke lockdown rules rumbled on for a week. More worryingly for Mr Johnson, his government's handling of the COVID-19 crisis is under question. According to one estimate, Britain's death toll, which stands at over 41,000, might have been nearly halved if lockdown had begun a week earlier. Many shops reopened yesterday, but most schoolchildren remain at home. Mr Johnson's Conservative Party remains ahead in polls, but its lead has narrowed since Keir Starmer, a sober ex-barrister, was elected Labour leader in April. What should worry the Prime Minister most is that voters put Mr Starmer ahead of him on a quality that is rapidly growing in importance, attention to detail. Bottoming out, recession in America. The world's largest economy is now in the grips of a deep recession. May's figures for industrial production, which are published today, could show that production at factories was down by 15% year-on-year, about as bad a performance as happened during the recession a decade ago. By comparison with other sectors of the economy, however, this is a fairly decent performance. Unlike most recessions, the real pain this time is focused on the services sectors, such as leisure and hospitality. Still, the American economy could be bottoming out. The lifting of lockdowns has resulted in businesses reopening and people returning to work. Real-time data from credit cards suggests that retail spending is rising fairly strongly. Barring a second wave of the virus and ever-present risk, the economy may soon be growing once again. Struggling to take off Sino-American air travel Americans intending to brave a trip abroad this summer will have to be creative. Although many European countries resumed taking foreign tourists yesterday, Americans are still largely unwelcome. America, in turn, maintains its own ban on most travelers from the European Union and Britain, slowing transatlantic travel to a trickle. Travel between China and the United States has similarly been restricted for months and was nearly choked off entirely after China appeared to block American airlines from resuming passenger flights earlier this month. The Trump administration retaliated by announcing a ban on Chinese passenger carriers, which would have begun today. China relented, however, and both countries will now allow limited passenger services to each other. The arrangement will still leave America's carriers struggling. Each will be able to land only one flight in China per week, down from the dozens they ran before the pandemic. Render unto Caesar. New sanctions threaten Syria's economy. After nine years of fighting, President Bashar al-Assad of Syria thought he had regained his kingdom. Instead, he is facing his greatest challenge to date. The Syrian pound has collapsed. He has no funds to rebuild the country he destroyed with bombing, and worse is to come. Tomorrow, a new American law, the Caesar Act, takes effect. It threatens sanctions on anyone doing any business with the Syrian regime. Normally, Mr. Assad could look to Russia, but when the UN Security Council discusses Syria later today, observers will be watching for signs that Russia is tiring of him. Loyalists are also wavering. Members of the Druze minority in the southern city of Sweda, hitherto a bedrock of regime support, are in the streets chanting the same opposition slogans that triggered the civil war. Mr Assad, though, would rather blame anyone but himself for his country's collapse. Last week he sacked his prime minister. Watch and wait, the Bank of Japan. Japan's monetary authorities gather for a regular powwow today as the effects of COVID-19 continue to ripple through the economy. 
During a first wave of stimulus measures in response to the pandemic in March and April, the bank expanded its purchases of exchange-traded funds, announced new loan programs and promised to buy as many government bonds as necessary to support the government's fiscal policy. This time around, analysts reckon the BOJ will take a more cautious approach. Interest rates are expected to remain untouched. The coordinated fiscal and monetary stimulus has so far helped prevent a raft of bankruptcies, and although Japan is in official recession after posting two quarters of negative growth, the economy has probably hit bottom already. The recovery, however, will be sluggish. Morgan Stanley, a bank, reckons it will take at least two years for Japan's real GDP to reach pre-COVID levels. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Adam Smith, who was born on this day in 1723. Science is the great antidote to the poison of enthusiasm and superstition. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 